Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. We are studying one of the most profound letters in our Bibles. You know, the New Testament, one third of it is uh, filled with letters addressed to the churches. And one of the churches that receive one of the most profound messages is the church in Ephesus. It is the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. We're studying this letter for a while and we're not in rush because it's so good food here served uh, to us. And today we're going to cover half of chapter 3. If the Lord's give me grace to it. So I want to encourage you to open your Bibles with me in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to read the scripture and we're going to pray together. Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. In other words, non-Jews. You are not from a religious Jewish background. Therefore, you are a Gentile. In other words, this letter is written for you. It is written for me. Say amen, everybody. So this is, this is Paul addressing directly to us. Verse 2. Assuming that you have heard the stewardship. Another version says the economy. The dispensation of God's grace. Say with me. I am... In God's grace, dispensation. God works in eras, in ages, in dispensations. And we are in God's grace time. Say a good amen, everybody. Hallelujah. God's grace that was given to me for you. Verse 3. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Verse 6, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers. Say partakers. It's a nice word, partakers. We are co-participants of what? Of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Let's keep reading. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints... This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring the light for everyone. Say with me, light for everyone. Say again, light for everyone. Mm, so good, so good. So the Bible keeps saying, for light for everyone, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things? Verse 10, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known 
to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and we have access with confidence through our faith in him. Verse 13, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. The title of my message is very audacious. I call the message, the eternal purpose of God. God had you and I in his mind since the past eternity. And because you think you are a chronological being that came into existence on your birthday, you think that one day you had a beginning since you were born. However, in God's heart and mind, He saw you, He desired you, and He created you for His glory. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Holy Spirit, give us spiritual eyes to have a glimpse. God, let us have insight. Once again, bring us revelation. Let us have God understanding of the eternal purpose that is fulfilled in Christ Jesus and is given to everyone who believes. Oh, Holy Spirit, fill this room and let us be changed today as we eat, enjoy, savor this delicious, so nutritious food, spiritual food that satisfies our hearts and lead us to the fulfillment of our calling. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Are you guys ready? Today I'm going to talk about some truths, some um, principles and aspects of the Word of God that we require you to be limited, to not be limited on the parameters of your mind, your mathematical time-limited way to see life. So, Apostle Paul wrote this book with the purpose to reveal the eternal purpose of God for all people, for everyone, including religious Jews and Gentiles. This plan of God that was only in God's mind and probably in the Trinity community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they were in that secret chamber in the, in the holy throne of God, talking about no angel, no angelical being will ever have access to that place because it was so holy. Only God Himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Elohim, God Almighty, was able to talk about it. And it was secret. It was a mystery. However, He decided to reveal in a unbelieving way, mind-blowing way, that secret plan. Now the first three chapters of Ephesians, as we are covering, we are learning the wealth. If the book of Ephesians can be divided in parts, I'll say that the book of Ephesians speaks about the wealth, the walk, and the war of a believer. 
Now, we are just getting the idea of what we have, our resources, what, everything we have in Christ Jesus. This is not a small thing. You don't need to envy, have jealousy over anyone for anything because you are already very rich. Can you remind your brother about this? You are very rich. Just tell him or her, say, look, just look to me, I'm very rich. Because you are in Christ, you and I, we are very, very rich. Now, Paul decided to preach that message that the riches of God was accessed, was being available for everyone who believed. More specifically, for the non-Jewish people like you and I. And that's why he opens the chapter 3 saying, for this reason. This is because Paul, he said his goodbye to the church of Ephesus. And he decided to go to Jerusalem. Pretty much the headquarters of all the Jewish community in uh, the beginning of this common age, this common area. And there in Jerusalem, Paul decided to give his testimony. Not just in small groups, not only in his life groups among other believers, but Paul decided to tell how he got to know Jesus. Even though he came from a background of Jewish tradition, from a religious tradition, he had an encounter with Jesus. We all know his story. He was going after Christians. He was after Christians to kill them, to put them in jail. But in a way to Damascus, the Lord himself showed up to him and said, Paul, in that case, his name, his name was Saul, why do you persecute me? And, and actually, Paul was wondering, I'm not persecuting you. I'm persecuting the church. And Jesus made sure that Paul would understand that when you persecute the church, you're persecuting me. Don't mess up with the church because you are touching me. So there is no separation because if we are the body of Christ, I dare to say you, you are part of divinity. And I know this may be new for you, but God himself decided to reveal his multifold wisdom through us, the church. And here is the point. So Paul got saved. The Bible says that he had this bright light speaking life over him. He actually was not self-baptized. He had to find another brother called Ananias. This guy preached the gospel again for him. He got baptized in the waters. And after being baptized, he got three-year seminary in a desert, in the wilderness. In that uh, uh, journey, he learned by revelation, by the Spirit, the truth he's sharing right now with us. That the riches of God, all the blessings of God, that are in Christ Jesus is now available for everyone. Say with me, for everyone. This includes you and I. For everyone who believes, you can access also these blessings. So Paul is giving the testimony. He actually got an opportunity to speak in the temple in Jerusalem. Now he's speaking more than in the headquarters. He's speaking on the, uh, I can say, the, uh, the top uh, floor of the headquarters of the Jewish community. He's actually having a public moment to preach and speak about his story. Everybody's paying attention until he said in Acts chapter 22. If you want to know more about this story, I'm just telling you, it's in Acts chapter 20, 21, and 22. So when it comes to verse 21 of Acts 22, 
Paul says, and God, he, and God said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. He was simply telling his story that God had saved him and God will send him to preach that amazing good news in Christ Jesus to those that were not from a religious Jewish background. And the result of that is that the people got crazy. They really got absolutely wild. The Bible says in Acts 22, verse 22, up to this word, they listened Paul, then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. As they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air. They were just like little wild people making, we're going to kill you, man, just because you said that everyone who believes can have access to the blessings of God. So it is expected that chapter 3 starts with this statement. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner. Because after that, people almost kill him. He appealed to Caesar and he's sent to Rome as a prisoner. And from there, he's writing this letter. Did you get the background? Come on, somebody. I hope you guys got this story. Now, which begs the question, do you have anything in your life that gives you reason to go to prison? I'm not talking about your tickets, okay, about your traffic tickets. I'm talking about your belief. Is there anything in your belief, inside of your heart, that you are willing to go to prison for it? Actually, better asking, is there anything you believe worth dying for because we are called to have a life worth dying for it but this should be the fruit of what you believe in your heart come on somebody because Paul actually said that when he he knew he would eventually go to prison before getting there in Jerusalem he spoke to the brothers in Antioch he says in Acts chapter 21 for I am ready not only to be in prison but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And that, that's, again, it, it throws over us the question. Do you have that level of certainty of what you believe in Christ Jesus that in case there is an actual persecution, you are willing to die for? Now, we celebrate, thank God, the freedom of Western world that gives us free speech, liberty. But in the same day right now around the world, and I know personally brothers and sisters that are pastors of these people, that if they are doing the same celebration we are doing right now, they are be totally outcast from their families. They will be rejected by their peers. And some of them, right after their baptism day, they will receive a death threat, if not even die for it. Again, do you have that level of certainty, assurance, trust, faith in Christ Jesus that makes your faith worth dying for? Because, again, if you think 
that Christianity is a matter of how you feel good about yourself. If, again, you think that it's a matter of how blessed you are, your personal, individual life are, you miss the point. If we close the chapter 3 here, Paul says, my suffering now is not something I run from it, it's something that I brag about it. Because through this suffering, I'm really showing clearly that what I believe is true. People around me will know it is true. Now, again, we all have our episodes of suffering. I don't know about your suffering, but I remember one of the most excruciating hard time in my life when my little one went to heaven. And it was very interesting because many people, I had an opportunity to actually uh, uh, leave the ministry. Just give up of the ministry because maybe you can't handle anymore now since you lost a son in the ministry. And it's interesting because uh, I actually had the chance to give up on the ministry, offer even by the church. Why do we do that? Some of our sufferings should be like Paul, our badges of glory. Some of those sufferings that because of ministry, I can say what I believe is not just a doctrine. It's not something that came to my reason, understanding, and intelligence. It's not just because my apologetic understanding of the Bible makes me... No, no, no. Is this a true, profound, intrinsic, embedded inside of my heart experience? It cannot separate myself from what it is true to me. Now, again, if you think that Paul said, I'm willing to die for it, Jesus, is something... Subjective, not practical. Let me be, be very practical to you. Ephesians 1, verse 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. The church, which is his body, the church, which is the fullness of him who fills all in all. So I dare to say that if you are willing to die for Jesus, you should also be willing to die for what Jesus died for. Can I say something that might be surprising for you? It is true, John 3.16, God so loved the world, but Jesus died only for his church. No, 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 Pastor, don't say that. It is true. Because if someone does not accept Christ and really understand he became part of the church, he didn't, he's not saved yet. Really, Pastor? This sounds more a little bit like Catholic, a little, you know, sectorism. You are just sounding like a, like a cult or something. No, no, no. It's just true. Christ died for his church. The church is Christ. Actually, the church is the gathering of his small little Christs in plural. That actually makes and brought the word Christians. Christianos, small Christs. In 1 Peter chapter 4, 16 says, Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. I want Jesus, but I don't want to deal with the church. I'm sorry, my friend, it comes with a bundle. You have to, you know, you don't choose the family you're born into. 
and yeah, we are a little messed up, we're still working progress, but God decided in his sovereign, amazing mind to use us, limited creatures, to express his glory, grace, and love to this broken world. Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Therefore, if your Christianity is only a matter of feeling good about yourself or how blessed your personal and individual life is, you'll miss the point. It is not about me. It is not about you. It is totally about us. It's all about we together. And I can guarantee that the meaning of your life the purpose-driven life that you are looking for, it is not in a successful career in the marketplace. It is not when you finally graduate your kids in college because the empty nest crisis will knock the door and you say, all right, I invest half of my life in these humans and now they leave my home and I'm feeling alone with this weird adult that I got to marry and now I don't know what to do. I know this crisis, the purpose driven life can only be found in Christ Jesus within the local church. Pastor, you're biased, you say. You are a pastor. Definitely going to preach that message to us. It's not only that. It's that without the church, I won't be here speaking to you. I dare to tell just like Pastor Tune. I test the Lord in this truth. If you give us, just give the church six months of your life seriously and nothing happens in terms of changing the way you deal with your marriage the way you raise your kids even your finances i dare you i dare you you will not be the same but if nothing changes i give you full completely liberty to leave the church and never come back but give us six months of your life and i promise you you will never be the same it's not because of ourselves it's because Christ, in his crazy love and grace mind, decided to use us. So, like Paul, we should see ourselves not in terms of our limited earthly condition. Because in this case, he was in prison. But he didn't make the prison a limitation for him to stand as a chosen one, a man of God. Blessed with all the heavenly blessings. Now, I ask you, maybe you are imposing to yourself limits. You see your marriage and you say, Pastor, I'm not perfect right now in my marriage. That's why I don't lead a life group. Maybe you see yourself short of being used by God because you still have that bad habits in your finances. Maybe because... You are still tempted by some of those things that you want to get rid of. You talk too much. You overeat. You don't pray too much. And you're thinking that these limitations will actually limit me to be used by God. But the word says in Ephesians 3.8, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints... This grace was given to preach to everyone. Every time you read the word Gentile, you can change for everyone, okay? To preach 
to everyone the unsearchable reaches of Christ. Get your Twitter account and your Facebook because we're going to post this phrase right now. All that we need is the grace of God in order to share about the grace of God. It's not about you. It's not about me. All that we need is more grace to preach better about the grace. So we brag about the work of God in us. It's not us in our limits. Now, Paul says clear that he is a minister. Look verse 7. In this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. I don't have power myself. I barely speak this language. What I'm even there to stand in front of you guys. It is because of His power working in me. There is a difference between the word maestro and minister. They came from the same root, but a master or maestro is the one that leads, determines all the symphony. He leads the music. Christ is the maestro. We are the ministers. We are the mini stirs we only sing the song that he wrote for us to sing so we don't have the liberty to change the message the message is superior than the messenger come on somebody and it's within the message that this power of saving people is it's not in how good, in how many, you know, eloquent words you have. It's a matter of being faithful with the message. The message is so superior that actually you only are capable to share that message according to the gift of God's grace, which is given us by the working of his power. Okay, let's read Romans chapter 2, 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. What I'm trying to say is that every resource, repeat with me, everything... I need to hear your voice. Say everything, everything. I, need I need to fulfill God's purpose is given to me. So leaders, I know you are tired. Leaders and hosts, I know you are already looking for a new sofa to your house after one semester receiving a life group there in your house. But let me tell you something. Don't get discouraged. If you need that joy again to serve God, you need to find the power in Him. The message we share is more powerful than ourselves. We have limited resources, but not God. Do not ever lose the joy of preaching and sharing the gospel, the good news, the message. And the way 
is simply relying on His grace. We're getting to the season of break. We're going to start to have mega life groups. And I want you to have a real rest. But believe me, rest is not you just binging or watching and losing your time, but actually feeding your soul in the Word of God. Talk, talk to me before you get your vacation time. Amen. I want to give you good recommendations. Let me finish my message. Because there is a mystery. A mystery of Christ. Let's talk about that. The word is mysterion in Greek. It's a secret. A hidden thing. Something that no angel ever heard. Actually no prophet even fathom that idea. Literally was God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit going in a very secret room. Talking about this crazy idea of sharing His very life with everyone. Now, no one ever saw that. Look what it says in verse 5. Which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations. As it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Now Paul gives us a first glimpse of this mystery in, in chapter 1. He says, making known to us the ministry, I'm reading verse 9 of chapter 1, of his will according to his purpose which is set forth in Christ. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite, say with me, to unite. Say again, to unite. God had a plan to unite all things in Him, things in heaven, and things on earth. So, here we have God in Christ Jesus bringing this ultimate, eternal cosmic plan into action. He sent His Son. And his son took the form of this low-level, dust-made, flesh-and-bone creatures. The angels is already amazed. They don't get it. How the holy, perfect, almighty, creator of all universe can have such humility to go in such a low level of human beings. Or more than that, he's not only taking the form of a human, he suffers. He suffers to the point of taking their condemnation. The God all-powerful that has authority over heaven and earth. That all demons and angelical hosts trembles even to think of getting before his presence. Now he's bleeding on the cross. The whole heavens is in suspense. They cannot imagine what is coming after the third day. But he is resurrected. And when he is resurrected, he blow over the disciples. Not a contagious airborne disease. But he blow over the disciples saying, receive the Holy Spirit. And now the very Spirit of God, the essence of Almighty, is shared with humanity. Now the angels are now even more 
without breath because they can't see this coming. Because as the disciples, the apostles, start to share the gospel, the same blowing, the same breath of life, like a contagious disease, starts to catch on in the hearts that believes. And a revolution starts. And a new thing is formed, not made with only the biological heirs of Abraham. The Jews, but everyone who believes, black and white, Anglo, Europeans, or Latinos in South America, Caribbean, or Central America, Africa, Asia, everyone who believes start to receive the essence of God. And the essence of God within the heart of everyone who believes start to gather together in a group called Ecclesia, the church. The mystery of the church. Chapter 3, verse 10. So that through the church, the manifold, the multicolor, the kaleidoscope, kaleidoscopic multicolor wisdom of God is now be made known to the angelical beings. Demons and angels are looking to this group of people and they don't get it still. How can this low level dust made flesh and bone creatures have the audacity to come before the holy, perfect God. Look, let's go to verse 6. Ephesians 3, 6. This mystery is that everyone who believes are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers, co-participants of all the blessings that Christ Jesus deserves. Yes, this is too much for the angels to understand. They don't deserve. How can they receive all that the Son receive? Actually, even the very son promised that they will have greater works. How this can even happen? But there's more. Let's go to verse 11. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence. Say amen, everybody. If an angel or a demon dares to step in the holy chambers of God's throne, they are completely obliterated. They are immediately annihilated. But now, you and I close our eyes Lifted up our hands, 
And we come before the secret chambers of God's presence. So yes, we are a mind-blowing study case for the angelical beings. And maybe you thought, if I ask you, why does the church exist? Oh, to bring justice, social justice, to establish Christian education. And if you are a Vine Church member, you're going to say to make disciples, to make disciples through life groups that multiply. Yeah, this is Vine Church, but the church ultimately exists to be displayed by God as an unsearchable manifestation of His wisdom and grace. And for eternity, as we worship God, the angels will wonder, why them? Why them? But more than that, we not only worship, we not only are these united people from all colors and tastes and backgrounds, we are fearless. We don't come before God's presence like the angels do, or even the high priest of the Old Testament shaking their knees, afraid of obliteration. No. We come before God fearless, shameless, with boldness, with confidence. And the angels wonder why they are not destroyed, why they are not consumed. What's going on? It seems that they have the audacity to come God's presence as they are even God's children. And they don't get it. God made those low-level, dust-made, flesh-and-bone creatures part of the household of God. And more than that, even more, the angels wonder. They call him Abba. How dare they call him Abba? Father, Daddy, how do they, how can they call the Almighty, Holy, All Light, All Consuming, Fire, Presence of God, the only that deserves all glory and praise? The one that when we approach Him, Without we even having control about it, we just speak holy, holy, holy. But they call him Abba Father. Let's always stand up this morning. Come on, somebody. And if you can join me for a few seconds as Carlos playing in the background. And then what about we once again bring awe, bring amazement to the angelical hosts as we give God praise, as we surprise the angelical beings with our audacity, our boldness to approach God's presence in worship and praise. Come on, somebody, close your eyes and start to thank God for His amazing work, His unsearchable riches of wisdom. That without any merit, without any reason in yourself, He chose you by His grace. And as we believe and trust His love, we come once again in the secret rooms of our Father's throne. And we receive, receive, receive grace, receive mercy, receive 
comfort. Receive deliverance. Receive healing. Every time we can come by the blood of the Lamb, by the faith, proclaiming the word of our testimony.